welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whifford. Books, 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 books. So today, as Mike just alluded to, we're not talking about any series that is on television, in the movies. We're throwing it back to my first form of entertainment that I loved, which is books. So, books. we're going <laughs> to dive into some book recommendations where I'm going to give out two series that I enjoy a lot and my rationale mm-hmm. behind that and try to convince you to give them a taste, give them a try, you know, see what you think about all of them. And Mike's going to do the same here. So mm. before we dive into the book recommendations, uh, Mike, you just wanted to give a quick update about some fantasy news that we wanted to make sure we got out there. Yeah, so it came out that Rafi said that uh, The Wheel of Time Season 2 is not going to be dropping early 2023. It'll be dropping later 2023. So my expectation with that news is it's probably either going to be around the same maybe time that uh, The Lord uh, Rings of Power came out, and maybe they'll go back and forth like with those right, like series late August, every other year. Early September. Yeah. I think that would be really smart for them. That way they're releasing some kind of fantasy content every year. They're sort of filling that void. And then it's like every other year they have one or the other kind of coming out. That would be pretty cool if they did that. Otherwise, it may just be the sort of same time that we got the first season, maybe October, November-ish. We'll see. I'm excited uh, to kind of get more information on that. But we're going to we're gonna sort of hold off on covering a lot of the Wheel of Time stuff until a lot of that clears up closer to... I'm sure we're going to get some at Comic-Con, so we'll probably do a Comic-Con episode <laughs> where we talk about some of the fantasy news. But Yeah, like Mike just said, we're going to really hold off on giving like updates to the Wheel of Time Season 2 until we get closer to the release of the season. We're going to go through, rewatch Season 1, give our updated opinions of that as far as what do we think about now that we've had some time to digest what we saw and have it not be quite so raw. And again, just in case you were wondering who Rafi is, Rafi Judkins is the showrunner for Wheel of Time um, on Amazon Mm -hmm. Prime. So we will be looking forward to more updates from that and give everybody uh, more updates as we find them out later on in this year and cover Wheel of Time in depth because, after all, that is one of our favorite book series. Mm Mm-hmm. And I threw in that last bit because, again, I want to transition right back to books here and dive into some awesome series. Give us your first book recommendation. All right. So the first book series I'm going to be talking about here is a trilogy. It is the Acacia Trilogy by David Anthony Durham. Now, this book series, like I said, is a trilogy. Book one is titled Acacia, The War with the Mine which came out in 2007. Book two is The Other Lands, which came out in 2009. And then book three is The Sacred Band, which came out in 2011. So there are multiple reasons why I want to recommend this book series. Uh, First of all, it is a completed trilogy, (laughs) which means Mm -hmm. you can dive in. And yeah. It's so rare nowadays to find a, a good, completed trilogy. but you can Looking at you, George R. R. Martin and Patrick Rothfuss. For real. Rothfuss. 
So you can go in, read this trilogy, get in and out, appreciate it, knowing that you will be able to finish as fast as you can read or listen if you're doing it on Audible or audio. Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff I like about this series, aside from all of that, is that it is a multiple viewpoint story which spans basically a family that you're kind of watching evolve as well as other people that come in and you just get these great viewpoints of society from multiple lenses which is something that I do appreciate in a fantasy novel because it's not like a fixed point of view where everything is seen through this one narrator whether they're right or wrong in their beliefs. Some of the things I also appreciate about this series is that it breaks fantasy tropes. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's not necessarily going to be your typical fantasy fair of a lost orphan coming up and realizing they're a high king or anything like that. It breaks a lot of fantasy tropes. And then when it does fall back into pre-existing fantasy tropes, it does so in a very interesting way in that isn't necessarily too cliche or anything like that. It mostly avoids them, but when it does fall in, they're bearable because of the way that they do that. Uh, this is definitely a book series for people who appreciate like some political intrigue as well as action adventure in their fantasy. There's a cool magic system that's in here mm. that isn't necessarily um, like many other magic systems that I've I've read about in the way that it works and that makes it very cool it's Game of Thronesy in that way and that it is that that double political intrigue and action adventure and then the story also starts out pretty small and then grows in scope widening into mm. an ever an ever widening worldview here that grows as you grow within the series and that makes it all very interesting and again just kind of reels you in learning about these different cultures and how it all functions within this world uh so some of the other things that i enjoyed about this series also come down to the fact that it's done by an african-american writer who again you know <clears throat> is doing a very good job building out this world who his specialty is fantasy, but also non-historical, uh, sorry, historical nonfiction, which is very mm -hmm. interesting take when you look at who is writing fantasy. Like, you don't necessarily have somebody who focuses strictly on fantasy, but focuses on historical events and then uses his view of those historical events to kind of build out this fantastical world, which is very cool. Um, kind of makes me think a little bit of like J.R.R. like Tolkien a little bit in terms of like having this sort of scholar who, well, in Tolkien's case, it was very much language based, yes. right? But like this author is very much historical events based, and then taking that and using that as inspiration to craft this fantasy world. Yeah, very and cool. so like that lens there is something that's kind of unique in the in my opinion, at least as to how somebody might approach doing a fantasy world. And it makes it mm -hmm. so that it's an interesting read for sure. Um, so that is the Acacia Trilogy by David Anthony Durham. Hmm. Neat. Definitely have to check that out. Uh, so before I get into my first of my two series, because we're going to kind of go back and forth here, 
I'm going to just go off and tell the readers right now that both of my series are definitely for, probably for younger readers, though older readers can definitely enjoy those as well. I am a teacher, <laughs> so I read and see a lot of books that are, you know, for younger crowds, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, middle grades. And so I end up reading a lot of them because I want to see, you know, kind of what students are going to be reading, what they can expect as they get into novels. And because I love fantasy books, I look at a lot of fantasy books. Uh, that's kind of what turned me on to The School for Good and Evil. And I'm currently reading that trilogy, or not trilogy, sorry, six book series. I'm on the last <laughs> book now. Uh, that is not one of my recommendations yet because I haven't finished it. So I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Uh, but it would be one definitely check out if you're into sort of like a school-based Harry Potter-ish, it gets darker as you go series. But I actually want to start by talking about an unfinished uh, series, but it's called Lightfall. Dangerous it's by Tim, <laughs> but it's by Tim Probert, and this is a graphic novel series, and it's fantasy based. And uh, he has two books out right now. The first one is The Girl and the Galdurian. And the second one is Shadow of the Bird. So this series, one, the art in it is just gorgeous. Uh, I mean, it is the, his art style is just beautiful. It's very, uh, in a lot of places, very light and airy almost, I'd say. Like, it's watercolor-ish in some aspects. And um, it's just, it just really lends itself. So this is a series you could definitely introduce to, you know, an eight-year-old. <laughs> eight but... Even as an adult, like reading it, I was like, this is really great. You have two main characters right from the start. You have a girl um, and her name. <laughs> I forget <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, oh, my gosh. You have a girl named Bay, and she has a grandfather who's adopted. He's the pig wizard, and he's literally a pig who's also a wizard, and he's very old. So you don't know much about, like, Bay's parents are gone. So it does lean into some fantasy tropes, like Bay's parents, you don't know what happened to them, they're not around. You have Grandfather, who's this pig wizard, who is, he's like, I'm going to go off and I have to go check on this thing, I'll be back in a couple of days. And they, they, like, their job is basically they help people around the village, and, you know, it's kind of a thing. But what's really interesting is not just her story. One, having a fan, like a female main character is really cool. And her sort of like connection throughout the series, grow, her role in the series grows. She's not this mythical hero either. It's not like there's a prophecy about her in any way, shape or form. But the world is really interesting. So in this world, you have a couple races. You have the Galdurian and there's only one left. And that's why the first book is called well, the girl and the Galdarians, because he's kind of the last Galdarian. And uh, they were a race that constructed the lights or the suns. Because in this world, the sun was destroyed. And the Galdarian took the last remnants of it to create these almost like fake suns that were up around the world providing light. And then in the areas that the light wasn't covering, there's darkness. And obviously that's where the evil resides. Uh, you In the first book, you don't get a lot of the whole world building or the overall story so much. You get ta ta uh, like tastes of it because uh, the pig wizard sort of disappears and our two main characters are trying to like find him. The Goldarian's helping her out because he's like, oh, I don't have much else to do. I'm the last of my species. Like I just kind of go around and travel around. And he's very much like 
like a fighter, but like a like sort of like I'm just living life as it comes at me. Mm. And she is someone who's super anxious and like worries a lot. And so they're very much opposites and it's kind of cool having their interactions in the second book in the shadow of the bird, we get a ton of like the kind of the prophecies and like what happened in the world. And a lot of the sort of magical elements start really coming in and it really opens up uh, sort of, the breadth of this world and really gets me excited for what's coming next in the third and fourth book. I don't want to spoil too much about like the villain and sort of the villain and sort of what happens. But I do want to say that in this book, they don't make evil just evil to be evil. And I think that's really great, especially when you think about who this is targeted at, like as kids, um, you know, it's not just like this evil person just being evil for, for evil's sake. Like they have a good reason. They have a good motivation. And it it's really such a well-crafted book. And the, again, the art is beautiful. So I would highly recommend to anyone who enjoys like graphic novels or art um, and who wants just like a series to sort of read through. I know that he is working on book three currently. And book two had just come out like last year, I want to say. So yeah, it's really exciting, and uh, I'm interested to see what happens. And again, this is the Lightfall series, and this is by Tim Probert. All right, so for anybody that's been remotely keeping up with the podcast and anything that I've been reading, you knew, first you knew law. this was coming. Yeah, so my second book recommendation is the First Law series by Joe Abercrombie. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a series, like I mentioned, it's... It's large. <laughs> um, so it is complete as of right now. But this series is broken up into multiple kind of chapters within the world. So we have the first series, which is just called, you know, the First Law Trilogy. So we have book one, which is The Blade Itself, which came out in 2006. Book two, Before They Are Hanged, which came out in 2007. Book three, The Last Argument of Kings, which came out in 2008. So right there, that core trilogy there, 2006, 2007, 2008, Joe Abercrombie was a busy man. (laughs) Um, But after that third book there, we then have three standalone novels, which all reside within the overarching First Law world. They are connected in the characters, or in some of the characters, but they are individual books that you could, in theory, read on your own and be good. The first of those is called Best Served Cold, which came out in 2009. Then we have The Heroes, which came out in 2011. And then Red Country, which came out in 2012. Joe Abercrombie doesn't stop there, though. He kept going. <laughs> there is a book of short stories which is called Sharp Ends, which came out in 2016, which, again, is all connected through different characters, different events that have happened in the series up to that point. Then, more recently, he came out with a second trilogy, which is called the Age of Madness trilogy, which is all still within the same First Law world. Mm -hmm. And now this trilogy I have not personally read yet, I am on the back half of the short stories there with 
sharp ends. So I can't speak to the quality of these three books. However, based on everything else, I assume it's safe that my recommendation continues to these. <laughs> so in 2019, Joe Abercrombie came out with A Little Hatred. Then mm. in 2020, he came out with The Trouble with Peace. And then in 2021, The Wisdom of Crowds. So as of right now, this is a complete series with two complete trilogies as well as multiple standalone novels within there, all of which are top-notch, dark, brutal fantasy. Now, why I like this series so much is because it is absolutely unlike any other fantasy novel, any other fantasy series that I have read. Why I say that is because it is very dark, and Mm. by that I mean... Every character is a little bit of a bastard. <laughs> and you have that. And you also have, like, no one is completely black and evil. No one is completely white and all good. You have a lot of gray. And if you like your fantasy novels complex with lots of intrigue and lots of absolutely fantastic character-driven stories this series is definitely for you. It is a subtle fantasy series as well. And what I mean by that is that there's no wizard out front leading the charge, doing magical haymakers to the enemies there. It is a series that the magic system is very interesting, but it's also in the background. You have like references to it throughout all of these novels, throughout all these works, and you have direct displays of magic, and yes, you do have a wizard who joins the party for a bit. But the way that the magic system is explained and done within this series puts it at the background and kind of puts it more in like that, whoa, like what's happening here? Like I'm really intrigued by this. Tell me more about that. And you do get more of the magic system. But it is the characters that drive this series. It is all about the characters that bring you into their perspective. Because again, this is a multiple perspective driven series where you have characters who are in the same event telling you their perspective of how things are going from multiple angles. So you'll have like a person who's in Army A fighting Army B and you see things from their perspective about how it's going, and then it'll switch to a character in Army B who's fighting Army A, and you see it from their perspective. So it does a really good job of telling you, like, how everybody involved is being impacted. In fact, there's an amazing short story within the uh, Sharp Ends book here, and it's called Wrong Place, Wrong Time. And it just goes over some of the events of what happened in the book series through the perspective of a random character who was in the background at this situation. And they're experiencing it without knowing anything that's going on. And so, like I said multiple times, this is a character-driven series that does an absolutely amazing job at doing that. It stays away from fantasy tropes entirely. It doesn't turn them on their heads where it's the opposite. There just is nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a there's a famous series by one of the characters in here named Logan Nine, a saying by a character in here called Logan Nine Fingers. 
he says you have to be realistic. And that's the thing with this series is that there's a lot of times where, like, it might, for example, be like Logan was back into a corner. He saw, like, a room of ten men with swords all coming at him at the same time. And he knew that he had two choices. Either stay there and fight them all or die. And he chose to jump out the window and escape <laughs> because he didn't want to face 10 people going on at once. So it's like there are parts of it where there are these bits where you're like, no hero would actually do that. And that's the thing is there's no heroes in this series. It's all these flawed, complex characters that take you on a great journey through all of it. It keeps you guessing the entire time you're reading this about what's actually going to happen um, it is just absolutely fantastic, and I cannot recommend it high enough. Now, unlike what Mike just presented to you, there is no children allowed in this zone here. Because <laughs> I said it's dark and brutal, and that might be an understatement. It is what's considered grim, dark fantasy, where it is not kind <laughs> to a lot of folks, and it can yeah. be quite brutal. Um, however, it is so, so good, and I absolutely adore this series so far, and I cannot wait to get into the second trilogy, um, Age of Madness, within it, but that is the First Law series by Joe Abercrombie. Nice. I'm definitely intrigued, and I know how much you've been praising it, so I will I will read it. I will read it. I have it all on my Audible. Part. All you have to do is press play. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So maybe, uh, yeah, once I get through some of my other backlog, I'll get to it. Gosh, just too many books, not enough time. Speaking of too many books, uh, my next series, Dylan, if I could just tell you that there's a author that crafted a world of books that is as intricate and as connected and can be and maybe in the future will be as connected as uh, like the Avengers and the Marvel universe. What would you say to that? I'd say, tell me more about Percy Jackson. (laughs) Yes. So I did. I couldn't go on without shouting out Percy Jackson and uh, Rick Riordan and the whole universe that he's crafted just for so many reasons. These books are so great again for like middle school and up and, uh, how they're how the the amount of research that Riordan did for his series and the intricate weaving of a fantasy story with mythology is just so well done, and I don't think he gets enough credit. Is his writing formulaic? Um, is are the stories a bit in a formula? And once you've started to you know read through them, you start you know you recognize the formula and it sort of just becomes kind of comfortable and part of your reading experience? Yes. But has he adapted and has the characters he's been writing become more complex and more interesting as he's gone? Absolutely. And so Riordan started with the Percy Jackson series, which focuses on demigod children, their Greek uh, gods, parents, really, at least one parent, and sort of their adventures throughout. And... Uh, this would definitely be a series that would probably, you know, mirror or go against Harry Potter. But 
outside like where J.K. Rowling stopped with Harry Potter and has done nothing since, Rick Riordan has continued to build on. And so you had the Percy Jackson series, which focused on Greek gods and sort of, you know, their children. You had the second series, which was uh, the Heroes of Olympus, which focused on Percy Jackson and some other characters and Roman slash Greek gods. And it sort of intermingled the whole, you know, Romans taking Greek mythology and sort of making it their own. And it it's, does a really nice job with that. He also did a series with Egyptian gods, and these were different characters, and they've they've had some short stories where they've interacted, so you know all these characters are in the same universe. They're just sort of separated because they are in different mythologies. Then you get into Magnus Chase, which is Norse gods, and that one is a really interesting series. I really enjoyed that one because... It was very different from Percy Jackson and sort of how those books went because North mytholo- Norse mythology is kind of dark uh, very much in a so. lot of ways. And so, like, you had a lot of really cool stuff. You even had a – and I have to say this about Rick Riordan, too. He makes sure that with his writing, he's very inclusive with, like, different characters and making sure that he has people from different um, – who identify with different – genders and identify different sexualities and so like he's a very inclusive writer and magnus chase was really good because he had a character that was loki's child and if you know anything about loki loki will change his gender and so the child like some days would be feeling more feminine some days feeling more masculine sort of would shift between that and so it's the inner i think what he does really well is the interweaving of mythology and how that impacts his characters as well as setting the events they have to go through and really pulling from different events or different big adventures or stories in mythology. And there's so many nods to that. Uh, the last series he wrote, he did another series called Daughter of the Deep, or another book, which is a homage to Jules Verne and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I haven't read it, don't really care to, just not really my thing. But he wrote Trials of Apollo, which is like, Apollo was kicked out and sent back, sent kicked out of Olympus and sent to Earth because of some of the event or things that happened in the Percy Jackson series. Mm. And so, even though it's focusing on a different main character, like he does interact with some of the characters from the other books. And again, this is what I was talking about, like sort of an Avengers esque universe. Different books had different things that happened at the time. It was like, oh, okay, maybe that'll come back, maybe it won't, and then it does. Like nine books later you know it's kind of a callback to that and so it's really cool to have this character and sort of that interweaving and he's just about to release this year the sun and the star which is the son of hades who is um he's he was one he was probably the first gay character in the series and uh he and his i guess his so his partner are going on an adventure and I'm excited to see kind of where that leads. And that was a bit of a fallout from the Apollo series. Now, even outside of that. So he's done Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Egyptian and Norse mythology. Okay. He has what's now called like, uh, Rick Riordan presents. And so he sort of has like, it's sort of like, I guess his brand on these books, but he gets different authors from different cultures who have, who identify or who come from different cultures to write books similar that are set 
in their culture. So for instance, there's Arusha in like the End of Time series, and this is written by Roshani uh, Chokshi, and this is like Indian mythology. You have the Storm Runner, which is like Aztec. Dragon Pearl, which is uh, Chinese mythology, and it's characters, again, interweaving with this. You have Tristan Strong, and it's interwoven with like American folklore. Uh there's so many. There's really a ton. Some of them go into sci-fi. Some of them go into just fantasy. And it's really neat. I have not been able to keep up with them. Uh, I've read Aru Shah and it's, that series has been really good. The rest of them, again, I haven't kept up with. But like the opening up to all these different like cultures and like having their mythology interwoven into these stories too. And allowing like other authors to have voices like that and to be able to like hey like i had this idea and it's a really cool idea that you can take mythology from your cultures and interweave it with characters and make these stories it's a great way to introduce people into like sort of a history almost of your culture and how what what they thought of in, in terms of their religion or mythology and gives voices to all these different authors to sort of speak about their sort of relationship to with their cultures so I, I mean it's really just such a cool experience and just to see how it's grown over time has been really great and yeah it's one that i would highly suggest everyone sort of try out and test especially like if you're younger or if you have children it's a really great book series so again rick riordan pretty much anything by him <laughs> start with percy jackson though then build your way out because yeah all right, so we're just going to recap the book recommendations here really quickly. So coming in here, firstly, we have the Acacia Trilogy by David Anthony Durham and the First Law series by Joe Abercrombie from me. And I had the Lightfall series by Tim Probert and anything by Rick Riordan, but probably start with Percy Jackson, which, by the way, comes out in Disney Plus hopefully later this year. And we'll have to, when that gets closer, we'll kind of give through, go through the cast and all that of the, that show, too. Yeah, because we'll definitely be covering Percy Jackson based on Mike's oh, love yeah. of the series. So, oh, Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully it's better than Willow. <laughs> Willow, which is like, Willow's good, but I just want it to be You want it to better. be great. I want it to be amazing, yes. So, All we'll right. See. So with all of that being said, we hope that you enjoy your new reading list and that you get to it. <laughs> And due time, if you check out any of these series and you want to give us some feedback on your thoughts on the series, definitely get in contact with us. Again, the email is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, which is fantasyrewindpod, or at fantasyrewindpod. And then we're also on Twitter, which is at fantasyrewind. Let us know your thoughts on these series and let us know if you like them as much as we do or if our recommendations fell a little short for you. Or if you have any recommendations for us. Exactly. I know this year we have a pretty extensive reading list because we also have Brandon Sandoz, Brandon Sanderson's uh, surprise books coming to us both, I believe. So we'll have to dive into those. I have not uh, even looked at the digital version. I just want to wait until it's in hardcover. I know several people have already read it and have gushed over the first secret novel. So for also disclosure. I did not back it. <laughs> I I knew you were, so I didn't want to get it as well. 
Uh, but oh, I will. Gosh, betrayal on the show. A first law for life, apparently, for Dylan. <laughs> but yeah, we no, will okay. we'll definitely talk about that. Mike can speak into it more in depth, and I will probably, uh, if I have leftover Audible credits, just grab it there. That's fair. That is another series at some point we will have to get into is Brandon Sanderson and that whole universe. Talk about trying to build something as oh god the Cosmere. I know that's like oh we we're not ready for that yet, but (laughs) maybe in the future we will be in the future hopefully. All right, but that's gonna do it for us for today. So again, enjoy the books. It's gonna be two nerds signing off. See ya. See ya.